Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is eight minutes after the hour, and uh, Garson is on board from Graphs, Graphs.com. Good morning, sir. Good morning. And uh, you guys, uh, the tent sale. The tent sale was crazy. Was it? Yeah. Um, there was 50-something people waiting there Friday morning at 8 to get in. This is what happens when you give things away. Yeah. And um, the, the tables with the um, returns and ultra-discounted stuff... Um, we're pretty much picked through four hours into the into the opening. I'm so disappointed. I was tied up, and I didn't get out there. And I've been out there several times for those tent sales. They are fabulous. But there'll be one next year, I'm pretty sure. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Our representative Chuck Basie on board this morning. Good morning, Good, good morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you with us. And uh, Dale Roberts, CPOA. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Gun love in America. Yeah. Uh, I've got a a quick question. I'll go around the table here, get a quick answer. Uh, I'll start with Chuck. Did Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis O'Rourke's comment at the last Democrat uh, debate, pretty much kill gun control uh, as as anybody envisioned it because it was so outrageous? Or do you think the uh, the the feds will do something? I would think it killed it, but I I, uh, I would not be surprised if something comes out of Washington. I I, uh, I just have no faith in uh, the majority of the people up there. <laughs> not talking about any spe anybody specifically, but uh, the, the pressure that uh, is being mounted. Uh, I just think that with the election coming up, there there might do something. And I hope I hope I'm wrong. Garson, gun controls like Pennywise. You you think you killed it? But 20 years later, you're going to have to come back and try and kill it again. So you think it's something will... It's, yeah, it's, it's always going to be there. I mean, it's never going to go away. Yeah, but in the, in the foreseeable future, in the near future, do you think the Republicans and the administration will come up with something? I, I hope not, but tomorrow's a new day, and if they find some other, some other thing to champion or latch on to and, and further their agenda, yeah, it could... It could start all again tomorrow. Dale? I, I'm afraid I have to agree with both these gentlemen. I, I, you know, he, Beto showed their hand that we want to take your guns, but I fear the, the pressure's on and the politicians are going to feel like they have to do something even if it's just symbolic. And unfortunately, even that symbolic stuff can be damaging to the right. You're absolutely right. We've got uh, some uh, terrific firearms that uh, Garson brought in from Graffs. They are in Mexico, Missouri. Well worth a ride, man. You can save a ton of money if you do a lot of shooting. You just get uh, the reloading equipment and supplies from them. People all around the world do. Uh, and they're right down the road from us, so that's uh, a great place to go for that. In the meantime, uh, Sean Hannity had uh, Dr. John Lott on his program. And uh, we're going to play that audio for you now. ...to us by John Lodd Jr. He's the president of Crime Prevention Research and that center. He's an expert on the issue. He'll join us in a few minutes tonight. Now, look at this chart about the Chicago murder rate. Now, relative to the other nine largest U.S. cities, the yellow vertical line that you see there indicates when they ban handguns. And as you can see, after gun control, over the years, the murder rate went up. Now, the same goes for Washington, D.C. As John Lott's research shows, D.C.'s murder rate relative to uh, the other 48 large U.S. cities, excluding Chicago, went up after they banned handguns. We also have examples from foreign countries, in case you're interested. Remember, after Great Britain, they banned handguns. The homicide rate, it sp spiked and then slowly began to go down, only slowly. 
And here's another example from Ireland. After that country passed gun control legislation, the murder rate actually increased. And then there's Jamaica. Look at how the murder rate also increased after they put gun control in place. There's also this revealing statistic out of France. They have some of the strictest gun control laws on the planet. And France has had more casualties from public shootings in 2015 than during the entire Obama presidency. And finally, the left, they love to say that people, giving people the right to carry doesn't prevent crime. But the figures, the truth, the data, it shows otherwise. Let's take a look. This chart shows violent crime before and after right to carry laws were enacted in the United States. And as you can see, having more citizens that are armed leads to a decrease in violent crime. Those are the facts. Here's another graphic on murder rates before and after right to carry laws were put into place. Now also, the U.S. murders have plunged as a result. And as John Law Jr. points out, as more people in fact carry guns, you see further drops in both of those statistics. Now this is why this show isn't, will never be like the rest of the mainstream media. We actually care about truth about facts. The left, they don't believe in your right as the American people to be responsible, that you have the right to defend yourself, your children, in your home, in your community. They only seem to believe in big government, not the individual, which is why they try to exploit these tragedies and rush to judgment to push what is a radical, rigid, leftist agenda that infringes on your constitutional rights, even though it is not supported by data, not supported by facts. It's beyond shameful. Another question, how many of these celebrities, how many of these late night comedians, how many of these politicians, oh, when they go out in public, how often do they have armed guards with them? or bodyguards with them. Really? The rest of us, most Americans, they can't afford that. Joining us now with Reaction, President of the Crime Prevention Research Center, John Lott, and Fox News legal analyst, Bob Massey. John, I'll start with you. You provided a lot of this research. How many years have you been investigating more guns, less crime? And I know you have many variations of your book that has come out. I've been doing crime for about 30 years. Uh concealed handguns and other types of gun crimes I've been looking at for about 20 years or so. All right, and you know, when you say this, it's almost like it's Alka-Seltzer in water. You say, if there's more guns, if people have a right to carry, if people have a right to defend themselves, oh, there's gonna be less crime. And in a liberal's mind, they say, that's, that's just impossible, that's illogical. Explain why, in fact, your data proves out what to be true. Well, look, I think people understand you can deter criminals if you have higher arrest rates, higher conviction rates, longer prison sentences, the death penalty, things that make it riskier for criminals to go and commit crime. But the fact that a victim might be able to go and defend themselves also makes it riskier for criminals to go and commit crime. i just give you a simple example. There's something called hot burglaries. These are burglaries that occur while the residents are in the dwelling. Uh, in the United States, only about 13% of burglaries occur while the residents are there. In a country like England, it's about 60%. And there's surveys that are done of burglars who have been caught in different countries. And American burglars spend about twice as long casing a home before they break in compared to their British counterparts. And the reason why they give it is that they're worried about getting shot. If nobody's at home, they don't have to worry about that. But if somebody's home and they break in, they have to worry about the person defending themselves. Their British counterparts 
don't have to worry about that. And so they don't care really whether somebody's mm -hmm. in the home when they break in. You know, Bob Massey, is, to a certain extent, this is common sense. Now, we have these school shootings. Yes. There no gun zones. We've had a lot of the shootings that have taken place that we have covered. No For gun years. zones, gun-free zones. We keep yep. talking about it. Now, San Bernardino, I brought this up as an example. Let's put Vegas aside for a minute. Okay. San Bernardino, school shooting. The guy drops the clip. How many times do we hear that? To reload. Are the people safer if there's somebody trained in the use of a firearm? I've always said schools ought to hire well, retired certainly. military or police. Well, certainly. Of course they should be, and they are, because if you're trained in it, you know how to defend yourself. And I think that's so offensive about this is these late-night celebrities, I wish some of the casinos would ban them from performing in Las Vegas because they have no reverence for what just happened here. And the other thing you cover so often, Sean, is didn't, wasn't there a period of time where the Democrats controlled Congress when Obama just became president? If they, were, if they were that concerned about it, why didn't they do it then? And now they laid off on us How all these Obama years later. ignore Chicago? His own or adopted hometown. All right, so in the information we got from the press yes. just earlier, all right, so it seemed like the shooter, who seems like a ghost in many ways, yes. all right, so he had long-distance rifles. He had modified them, yes. but he also had handguns. He did. Seems like he probably wanted to escape and get away would be my assumption. Actually, uh, they said, and I don't understand how he would have, but the sheriff actually said that there wasn't some type of escape he may have had planned. I'm not sure, based on the layout of that particular room or suite, how that would have happened. The, the thing that we did learn in this press conference was the bravery of that security guard. Because yep. that security guard, man, he big, he, time. big time bravery that probably really saved a lot of lives. So, let me, John, let me ask you, we heard about Tamarite, and I have a, a one-sheeter on this, very explosive. I have somebody that was on the terrorist task force here in Vegas. He said, if in fact you have 20, 30 pounds of this, and you set it up right, and you fire a gun at it, it would be like napalm in the neighborhood. What can you tell us about it? Well... Look, I mean, this guy obviously put a lot of thought into a lot of different ways of killing people. He had bombs at home. He had explosives in his car, as you're talking about. You know, possibly if he hadn't been able to get a hotel room on that side of the hotel, who knows? He may have tried to drive his car into the crowd and try to set it off and kill people that way. You know, that's, you know, we see so many so different ways. He described ways. it as, it would be like napalm. Right, well, you'd have a that was dropped into a crowd. Today. Yeah, I mean, it would be yeah. a really right. horrible death. But I just wanted to mention one I, thing about the gun-free zone. I'm up on a break, John. Okay. Yeah, uh, quick on the gun-free zone, real quick. Well, I mean, it's hard to ignore these things. We have statement after statement for these killers where they may be crazy, but they know they want to kill as many people as possible. And they explicitly talk about going after places where they know nobody with a gun there is going to be able to stop them. Their goal is to try to kill as many people as possible. And, you know, we hear so many sick times... Sick and evil as that is. Yeah, you know, we say so many yeah, times... I've got to run. But I ask all these people, well, what, what are they going to do if somebody breaks into their house? Exactly. How are they going to defend themselves? Exactly. Would you rather ha be trained in the use of firearm to protect your young children? I would. Don't right. take away our rights to defend ourselves when you have your armed security guards and, and security guards that surround you everywhere you go because you're famous. Uh, Bob, I'm so sorry what happened in this town. Thank Great you, people thank here. Thank you so much for Our being thoughts here. thoughts and prayers are with thank you. you so All right, much. when we come back, you're going to meet a husband. All right, so that was obviously recorded right after the uh, Vegas shootings, but the observations made, uh, I think, were poignant. Uh, we've got some questions. We'll talk, chat a little bit about that interview next 
on Gary on Gums, 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. 24 minutes after the hour, if you just turn the radio on, uh, we've got uh, Garson in from uh, Graphs.com. Dale Roberts is uh, on board from the CPOA. And Chuck Basie, of course, uh, state representative uh, from uh, Jeff City, has uh, come on board with us this morning. You're actually not from Jeff City, but that's where you work as a representative. I Absolutely. Make sure they didn't think we were sending you to Washington. All Although it wouldn't be a bad idea. I wouldn't mind having you there. Amen. Um, so we just played this audio. Sean Hannity recorded this. Uh, with John Lott right after the uh, uh, shootings in Las Vegas. Uh, any observations from uh, what you heard? Did it, did it all make sense? The only thing, the, the one thing we might uh, allay the fears of people who... Yeah, the binary explosive they were talking yeah. about. He said if you shoot it, it'll cause an explosion like napalm. Um, we actually sell that, um, and it's, it's what they call a binary explosive, and it actually cannibalizes all the oxygen in the environment around it. So it will not create a fire, and it actually can be used to put out a fire. Um, so yeah, no. So don't no be risk, afraid of it. It's... No risk of a fire um, with those. Uh, I've seen people blow up um, propane tanks with it, and to get the propane to uh, burn, they got to put a road flare in there with it uh, to light off the propane. Because if you don't, um, it just doesn't go. It, it won't. It won't light up at all. So now I've got a couple of tubs of that. I don't know where to shoot. Where can you shoot that? I mean, I, I... not. At the conservation range. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought so, and I don't want to do it at uh, Green Valley. Where, where can you shoot that? I've seen folks do it on their, you know, out on a private farm. Just, I'll just go just out to Garson's for... house and, and do it in his backyard. Sure. I, and then I'm... and then get the hell out. We shoot it out at the farm oh, yeah? occasionally. Yeah, not not real often. Cause, but, uh, yeah, my brother and my, my two brothers and I and my dad, we have about, uh, oh, all total about 400 acres in our county. Wow. Uh, maybe I have to give it to him. Let um, him go a, play. A buddy of mine has a, a barbecue every summer, and uh, we blow up a car every summer. You blow up a car? Yeah, it's pretty fun. Oh, wow. Can I recommend Brian's? <laughs> <laughs> we know where you can get a no, pickup he, truck. That's he, he spends like six months looking for a beater, and uh, we park it out in one of the fields at his dad's place, shoot at it for a while, and then drag it farther away and blow it up at the, uh, uh, at the you know, end of the shooting for the day. And what happens, to, I'm just curious, now this has nothing to do with Gary on Guns now, I'm just curious, how many years have you been doing this, and what are you doing with the cars? I mean, you're just leaving them out there to rot? I've, I've not been there every year, but this is this year was probably the eighth year or ninth year. Is he hauling them away every yeah, year? Yeah, oh. we scrape it all up, and then it goes goes to the scrapyard. <laughs> out to the landfill. Boy, some people have a fun way of spending an afternoon. Th then we go uh, swim and four-wheel and have fun. Sounds like a really nice time, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, it's an awesome time. I, sounds good. Uh, Chuck Basie on board with us. Um, we we ought to talk a little bit about St. Louis. Uh, the governor, I guess, is under pressure to do something in St. Louis. Uh, I don't think there's anything the governor can do that will really make a difference. Uh, I understand he's sending in, what, the highway patrol? Yeah, he, he announced... Uh Several things, uh, enhancing a lot of things, you know, uh, more law enforcement involvement. Uh, highway Patrol are going to step up uh, patrols on the highways to allow the police officers in St. Louis to patrol the higher crime areas. Um, whether or not that is effective or not remains to be seen. But uh, another thing that I think is, in my opinion, um, a major problem is getting the victims of crime to speak up because uh, I think a lot of these individuals that uh, see things that happen are afraid to say anything because they don't want to be they don't want to be the next victim 
they're afraid of these thugs that do all this, uh, you know, the drug dealing and shootings and all that. And so he's going to uh, enhance the uh, victim advocacy services uh, that, that could be available. So we've got to try something. But uh, if I can say something about the speaker, uh, Speaker Elijah Har made a comment. I, I don't know the exact comment, but he basically said we, we have to do something about the gun violence. And... Uh, there's some groups in Missouri that took that as gun control, and I cannot speak for the speaker, but I know him very well, and I do not, I sincerely do not believe he would be an advocate for any type of gun control in Missouri, and I certainly wouldn't support that. But uh, the speaker's a good man. He's a strong conservative, a big NRA uh, Second Amendment uh, fella, and uh, no gun, gun control will be happening in Missouri under his watch. I can, uh, I think I can say that very strongly. Is there a law you guys, were you going to say something? Well, I was going to, you know, speaking of St. Louis, some years ago, you know, we teach the concealed carry class for legislators, and in doing that, we got Senator Dan Brown at the time to sponsor what was then Senate Bill 75, which when we proposed it had two components. One, uh, teach uh, school teachers and personnel how to react with an active intruder, armed intruder, and the second part was show the Eddie Eagle video to all first grade kids in Missouri because Eddie Eagle videos teaches kids if you see a gun stop don't touch leave the area tell an adult and when that bill was debated on the Senate floor a certain female senator from inner city St. Louis opposed the Eddie Eagle component showing kids about how to be safe around guns and to support her argument she said on the Senate floor we don't have a problem with guns in St. Louis. <laughs> well, they that's, don't. That's just a what quote her, from a certain senator. What's her, what's they don't her have initials? a problem with guns in St. Louis. They have a problem with criminals. Well, well, good point, Garson. They don't have a problem with guns. They have a problem with criminals. What's her and initials? It, um, it was either, I'll say it. I mean, I, th it, I think it was Maria Chappelle Nadal. It was either Maria or Jamila Nasheed, but I think it was Maria Chappelle Nadal uh, who argued, you know, we don't have a problem with guns in St. Louis. And, and so they ended up having to change the bill from shall show the video to kids to may show the We're going to get uh, people up to date with what's going on around town and around the world. When we come back, we'll talk about Columbia Police, the chief and the shootings, uh, and his uh, goal to uh, stop them you here in Columbia. You're listening to Gary on Guns, 93.9 Eagle. It is 35 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. We almost canceled the show today because we were all going to head out to Nevada to Area 51. <laughs> but at the last minute, we decided, no, we better come and do this show. <laughs> oh, those people are crazy. Um, come on, Gary. Let's go see them aliens. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me go storm this military base. <laughs> that's always a good idea. Yeah. Uh, all I got to do is wing a couple of people. Well, it's in that. not even a military base. It's a secret military base. Yeah, well, it's uh, stupid. It's just stupid. The whole thing is stupid. Um I don't even, well, I'm not going to get into that. That's a, that's a, a late night t uh, talk show. Uh, there have been uh, several shootings in uh, Columbia, and, and it really it's been going on for a while. Uh, and the chief, uh, the new chief came on board and said that he was going to go after these shootings. And I saw a report yesterday, and it almost sounded like they thought the chief wasn't, wasn't being successful. Uh, but he hadn't been in power. He hadn't been the, the, officially the chief for a particularly long time. I don't know how they can... Uh, how you can hold him accountable yet, but he is making some progress, I think. Oh, yes. I, th I think tremendous progress. And you have to understand, um, you know, you can't undo eight years of damage in eight months. 
Um, it, chief Jones has started as interim chief about eight months ago. Um, he's been the offic- officially the chief. Actually, last Monday night he was sworn in. Um, but it takes a while to undo the damage of the prior administration. The officers, as I was saying during the break, officers weren't allowed to do search warrants previously. Um, you know, they basically had their hands tied behind their back. And now, once again, they're allowed to do their job. And if you read the 0700 report on Dwayne Carey's webpage, you see more and more custodial arrests for guns and drugs uh, than we've seen in a long time. You know, the whole search warrant thing is... is um kind of a mixed bag for me uh i think if you have credible evidence that a crime is being or been committed or that there's proof of a crime you get the search warrant uh and i guess according to burton people were offended by search warrants you yeah they they were just not popular (laughs) another criminals don't think it's popular to arrest criminals either. exactly yes really on a scale of one to ten they they're at a one yeah yeah um but Sometimes the way the warrants are served is problematic. You know, kicking down a door at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, or whenever they think everybody is at home and asleep so they can catch them off guard. I've got a problem with that. And I'm not sure that they're doing that. Uh, You know, they changed the policy, and I don't believe uh, some years ago. When um, they shot that dog? After the Kinlock uh, incident. And and the policy was changed so that they now... uh, observe a house prior to going in and know, have a pretty good idea of who's in there and what's going on. Um, and absent some exigent circumstances that there's an, an, just an immediate threat that requires them to enter, drop what you're doing and go in now, uh, they basically you know, plan things out before they, do, before they go in and serve a warrant like that. Yeah, that, that's, um, I don't know, it, it, it bothers me when they do those kinds of things. So, Columbia police are, are backing away, but they've been doing this in law enforcement for years and years. Even when you go down to the uh, the old Waco, uh, when they went into Waco, sure, uh, Koresh would be jogging every afternoon. I mean, they had all kinds of opportunities to pick them up. Instead, they decide to serve this, you know, search warrant and go break down the doors. Um, I, I think there are oftentimes less dramatic ways to arrest people. As I recall, Janet Reno said we had to go into the the, prom, the premises, into the building in Waco because they were... Uh, Molesting children or something? Well, and she said something about they were religious nuts with guns. And in response, I think P.J. O'Rourke said this country was founded by religious nuts with guns. Yeah. So put it that in perspective. Uh, back to St. Louis. Uh, can you guys think of any law that would fix the violence in St. Louis? Um, in enforcing the laws we already have? That, I don't know. That would, that would go a long way, I think. I just, I don't see where there's anything that we can do. Uh, I mean, I, I can appreciate having law, the state law enforcement patrolling the highways and state roads to leave local law enforcement to <clears throat> to be more visible and, and available. But uh, ultimately, I think it's a societal problem. Oh, yes. And I, at the same time, um, it seems to be a societal problem that's relegated to just a few areas of the country. I mean, you don't... You, uh, we talked about John Lott. We had uh, that audio that we played. I think he said that, almost, that more than half of the, the gun violence in this country is in 2% of the counties. Just 2%. And inside those counties, it's usually in a 5 or 10 block area 
Well, round them criminals up and put them in jail. They won't shoot anyone in jail. And part of the problem with that is the police, you know, law enforcement officers can do their job, but then you have to watch what happens with the criminal justice system. And we've seen problems in the past where uh, judges give somebody who really needs to be, doesn't play well with others, needs to be put away. Someone's a threat to society if they're on the streets. Yes, absolutely. Basically a slap on the wrist and and lets them go. Well, could that Um, be because... We've got so many people incarcerated, there just isn't enough room for all the... There are. There is a, a committee that meets, and in the past, Boone County judges always participated in that committee, and the committee's purpose was to look at crowding in the Boone County Jail. And there are certainly those, and I kind of agree, that would say, you know, the judges shouldn't have in the back of their mind, you know, whether or not I incarcerate this person depends on how much room we have. Um, if it's a person who really needs to be incarcerated, then the judge's job is to do that, and it's up to the sheriff to figure out where to put them. And then the follow-up to that is there are some people who probably do not, did not need to be incarcerated, and you might make room by freeing up space in terms of those people. Well, Vice President Biden, in the last debate, uh, talked about not arresting nonviolent criminals. He later came back to say uh, dr- nonviolent drug users. But, you know, might he have something there, Chuck? It's possible. I, uh, we're, uh, we addressed some of that uh, this last session. I think we'll do that going forward. But, um, you know, uh, somebody that uh, might have, uh, again, nonviolent uh, drug offense, for example, might, uh, might be better served in a rehab facility or something like that instead of uh, locking them up in prison. Do you think that... Um, the welfare state and uh, the social programs have anything to do with crime? Garson, do you think there's any relationship between um, welfare, uh, fatherless homes, uh, things like that? That Yeah, ever since um, they started instituting a lot of those programs, um, you've seen a degradation in the communities where they're implemented and an increase in crime from what I've seen ever since what the 50s mid 60s mid mid 60s yeah yeah. um what was her name the planned parenthood lady are you talking about uh abortion roe v wade no um what was her name uh yeah i don't know if you're talking about the woman who who promoted her her mother was raped by was it sanger sanger yeah margaret sanger um like her policies have really destroyed generations of families well her her paul sanger was uh the the pro-abortion uh if i'm not mistaken her her plot was to get rid of blacks yes it was to kill as many black infants in utero as she could um a lot of people don't talk about that but that's that's what she was that was her goal it was uh but isn't that where planned parenthood came from yeah was her policy Yeah. yeah yeah Uh, but I think the welfare state is the bigger problem. I think you you raise uh, you you create a system ostensibly designed to help people um, who have fallen on hard times, made bad decisions, need a little leg up. But ultimately, when the government does it, they don't do it particularly well, and they de- designed a system that drove the father out of the house. Right. Uh, instead of you know, in the old days, you'd have shame. You got somebody pregnant, and you married them so that you could be a part of raising that child. Uh, now we've got the welfare state, and uh, and it's not just a black problem. It's a it's it's just uh, across uh, 
all races. Uh, you're, you're rewarding the mother and sending the father out of the house. And we know studies have indicated that children who are raised in households without fathers, and there's an interesting distinction, I'll explain this in a second, but uh, generally speaking, when the father's not in the house, those are the kids that are more likely to get involved in drugs, do poorly in school, uh, violate crimes, um, a whole series of pathologies that develop. Interestingly, if the father didn't abandon the family, and I don't know how the, why this makes a difference, but perhaps he uh, you know, had a heart attack or died prematurely, those kids don't seem to suffer the same fate as the kids whose fathers have abandoned them and left the family. It's kind of an interesting... Yeah, not, not to get too deep in this, but you know, there's also a, a big situation in the bigger cities, even in Columbia, where um, uh, oftentimes the, some children are being raised by their grandparents. And... Um, you know, because of various reasons, but, um, you know, that's, that's tough on ch kids. A lot of these kids are in real bad situations. You know, they, uh, they come to school hungry. They're, they're dirty. Uh, you know, they're, they just have a bad environment they're living in. Uh, and, um, it's, it's tough, but, um, you know, our, our schools are not only educating our children, they're, they're providing a lot of the, uh, things that are missing from a lot of homes. Uh, 874-9390, toll free numbers 800 Five two nine five five seven two. David, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. How are you? Good morning, Gary. I'll tell you what, you hit the nail on the head on most of that stuff there. What I'd like to add to it is I've said for several, several years on our welfare system, you know, when you got seventy five percent, seventy two to seventy five percent blacks that are that are uh, fatherless around, you know, I'm a firm believer and if you was to limit I know this is gonna sound crazy but to help on prisons and everything else and throw away kids, limit the child welfare to two kids only. And after that, you know, because there's so many throwaway kids, people, uh, women are having kids left and right just for the money. And these kids are all roaming around the street. And like you said, a lot of them are going to their, grand, their grandparents are raising them because their parents, they, they're just throwaway kids. And that's what we see in our prison systems, you know, and, but, Back to St. Louis and, and all the big cities, and like I say, it may sound like a one-sided thing, but if even the preachers uh, of the religious sectors in the black community would take responsibility of saying, look, we need to take care of our own, the right direction, and to tell these people they've got to stop it. It's not, you can't point fingers at other, other people or other cultures or other colors for what they do. They need to take care of their own, and they're not doing it. it well, I, I think the religious community has a bit of a problem because uh, most of us pay a fortune in taxes. Uh, and, it, and you know, when you get through with that, how much money do you have left for charity? Even though the, we're the most philanthropic society anywhere in the world ever, uh, you just can't keep taxing people at these rates and doing the job. And that's what a lot of people think. Well, I, you know, I don't have to give the money to the church. Uh, the government's going to do this. Why pay for welfare and food stamps and SNAP and all that stuff? All right, I got to run. I appreciate the call, David. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Uh, we'll chat some more about this. We got some terrific firearms brought in from Graffs. All coming up on Gary on Guns 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is uh, 53 minutes after the hour, and uh, Garson is in from Graffs, brought in a couple of terrific firearms. We'll chat about those uh, right after the news. 
Uh, also pleased to tell you that uh, Representative Chuck Basie is on board. And uh, from the CPOA, we got Dale Roberts. We've been talking about crime in uh, St. Louis and, and what, you know, what the legislature can do about it. Um, I don't have a problem with law enforcement patrol, you know, state highway patrol patrolling the highways uh, to give local law enforcement, um, uh, you know, more manpower to to patrol the streets and to be visible and to respond to crimes. Uh, but I think the problem is just going to be ongoing. I don't think there's, frankly, I don't think there's enough law enforcement in the world uh, to really make a dent in what's going on. I think the problems are more social. Uh, and I think they have a lot more to do with big government than they do with uh, the amount of law enforcement or gun control or anything else. Uh, and if you uh, just turned on the radio, Representative Basie talking about uh, the speaker looking at ways to, to help St. Louis, it doesn't appear that gun control is uh, anywhere on the table uh, with him either. He's apparently a pro-Second Amendment speaker. Yes, he is. He was one of the few uh, uh, that got the A-plus rating from the uh, NRA this last go-around. And uh, I, I know uh, the speaker very well. He's been, you know, he's been in the legislature as long as I have been, and he's a good man, and I don't think he would support any um, gun control legislation. I know I won't. And, uh, you know, the simple fact is disarming law-abiding citizens is not going to be a solution to this at all. Especially in these high-crime areas. That's such bad news for Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. Uh, we uh, opened the show, and I asked all three of you uh, whether or not you thought that something from Washington in the line of gun control was going to come down. Uh, there is uh, some talk on the part of the administration about some ideas. The Democrats, of course, have already passed something in the House. Uh, I don't think any of it will do any good, but we'll take it apart. Uh, in the next hour of the program, we also have some audio of a woman who confronted Beto O'Rourke uh, about gun confiscation. Uh, we'll play that uh, that piece, too. Um, Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, who is um, as close to a middle-of-the-road Democrat as you're going to get, um, he's made some comments about this, too. Uh, and I remember when he first when he first uh, ran for the Senate, he ran a commercial where he was out shooting, and uh, he was trying to make the case that he was pro Second Amendment. Uh, but you know, you just you can never be sure with the politicians in Washington. There was a um, contest uh, to benefit local law enforcement, uh, and, and actually more than just uh, uh, the Columbia Police. Uh, I guess it was uh, first responders. Uh, who have medical emergencies or, or, you know, something happens and uh, this fund supports them. And that, sh that match was last week? Last Sunday was our third annual CPOA and A.W. Smith handgun benefit match. And uh, as always, it was sold out and we had uh, full capacity. And in fact, this year we were up to about 75 shooters, 73 shooters. Um, was a little toasty out there, a little warmer than we thought it would be. Uh, our first match was in October, and it was unseasonably cold. And then the next match, the only date we could get was August, and, and it was rather hot. Seasonably hot. And so we thought, you know, September 15th has got to be the sweet spot, but not so much. Didn't, didn't quite pan out that way. But it went really... With that, with that first match, the temp average temperature still comes out to be too cold. <laughs> that first match yeah. was cold. But, and, and I was saying while we were off the air, Garson saved me. We, I had instructions of what to purchase in terms of supplies, 
and we went out the the range officers we couldn't do this without these volunteers the range officers and i went out to the range on saturday afternoon to set up all the stages and realized that i didn't have nearly enough pasters to cover up you know shot holes on the targets and uh, local places that sell them were closed and i called garson and he said yeah i've got you know umpteen rolls in my range bag and couldn't have gotten through the match without him so crafts comes to the rescue with garson at the helm i was actually out of my own private stock so (laughs) which he probably got from graphs but yeah anyway (laughs) so and we got a really nice donation from graphs and lots of other folks all the it's interesting the locally owned businesses support us and the corporate places just won't talk to us that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. kind of surprised they, by that. They're not allowed to make those decisions at the store level? I guess not. So. What about, um, you know, who won what? Do we know? Can, can we? Uh, I was saying the one that I can remember, we had a sponsor donate a Kimber Tactical Law Enforcement 1911 and 45 caliber. Oh, that's to, sweet. To be uh, given to the top law enforcement shooter. And that person was Keith Lachey, a highway patrolman. I think he's a sergeant. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know his exact rank from franklin county and uh uh, tom dresner won a shotgun we had a showing of i think 12 three teams of missouri national guard folks show up to shoot with us which is really impressive and one of the guys from the national guard won a rifle um and i'm just embarrassed i can't remember the other winners um oh one of them was from american outdoor brands caldwell uh but I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. All right. Well, it sounds like fun was had by was all. It Pete. It might have been a guy named Pete. I'm just I'm embarrassed. Well, we I, congratulate all of them. It, it uh, was, and you know, a lot of support from a lot of people. We, it, it, we really, it's it's great to see the support that comes out. We usually have a photographer who's a, a police officer, and his child is in is in ICU in St. Louis. He wasn't available. I put the word out on a retiree email list and said, does anybody do photography? And Gary Gundy, a retired highway patrolman, stepped up and said, I'd be happy to come out and spend the day in sweltering heat. He didn't say that, but that's what happened. (laughs) And took uh, some great photographs for us. So just the outpouring of support from local businesses and volunteers was was really, really nice to see. To raise good money for... uh, Raise good good money for our cause. Um, So... I would say we, you know, we've we've paid to send an officer to uh, the Mayo Clinic before, and any time an officer is life flighted into Columbia, we go out to the hospital and meet them and their family, no matter where they're from, and support them. Well done. All right, uh, Beto O'Rourke is confronted. We've got a couple of firearms to talk about, a whole bunch more ground to cover. And Gary on Guns, ninety-three, ninety.